Hello, everyone. Welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith, joined by Derek Terry. Derek, how are you? Doing well, Sean. How are you? Doing well. Going to record a little mailbag episode. Hopefully, we get it out there to you in time to listen to before Kentucky's game versus Mississippi State tonight. Uh, Derek, we're going. To, I say we try to condense this thing and, and kind of keep it short. That way, we can give people a mailbag to listen to before the game. Uh, because a lot of this stuff that we're going to talk about might be old news by midnight tonight. Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, you know, I think these questions have been up for a couple of days now. Um, so we'll get to several. Uh, but first, Sean, some news. Uh, if you haven't seen by the time you listen to this, according to a report from ESPN, Ty Ty Washington will not play tonight against Mississippi State uh, after suffering that ankle injury uh, against Auburn. So, this is not going to be an easy game, I don't think. Not with uh, not with one of your best players out for another game. But on the flip side, Sean, unlike last game, uh, Cal probably had a good idea in practice yesterday that he wasn't going to be available. So you would think they'll be a little bit more prepared. But still, that's a he's tough to replace. Yeah, man, it's 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 wild how many times that now that they've been you know not been at full strength. Well, they've not been at full strength the entire year given C.J. Frederick's injury. Then through the preseason there or the early part of the season, November schedule, Davion Mintz missed some time with illness. Bryce Hopkins missed some time doing stuff. Lance Ware was banged up. They've been banged up a lot this year, but in league play, being without Sabir for a couple of games, they, they figured out a way to make it work, and now they're going to have to do it without Ty Ty. But this is a team that's been in these spots, but I, I just want to see what it's like now without Ty Ty because that's the guy that really emerged as a star in the last few weeks. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, you know, you would expect Davion to have to have a big night. Um, this is said in jest, but Dante Allen's been known to have a few good games against Mississippi State. So, I mean, he's probably going to be called on at some point tonight. I don't know that he'll play a ton, but just given you're down a guard, I mean, I think you'll probably see Bryce Hopkins at the three as Cal's first option off the bench. But, um I'm guessing tonight's going to be the night you get some Keon Brooks and Jacob Toppin out on the floor together too. And uh, I know typically Mississippi State seems to play a big lineup, so that might not hurt them too much tonight. But uh, if and if then of course, good. Well, if you're Ben Hallen, what are you thinking right now? Like, are, is Dante Allen at the top of your scouting report, even though he's done absolutely <laughs> nothing in months for UK? Like, if you, if you go into that game and you don't prepare for Dante Allen, then I mean, come on, like. He's burned them twice now. Like this, this feels it. it, It's it's kind of to the point where you honestly, given how short they are at guard now, that you probably expect him to get in there and actually kind of get out of his funk that he's been in. Yeah. (laughs) What better Uh, team to do it against, right? Yeah. I mean, he uh, bought like a career two point score, but averages like twenty something probably in his games (laughs) against Mississippi State. So, uh, yeah. But still, with Tata, I mean. Uh, Cal said he's day-to-day. I, it's going to be hard to beat Kansas without him out yeah. there. I, I kind of felt like they would have a decent chance uh, if he's able to play. And maybe he will be able to play, but uh, we're not going to spend a ton of time talking about this just because we talked about him a lot yesterday. But you have to assume everybody at Rupp Arena tonight is going to keep their eyes on Shaden Sharp on the bench. It, Cal said he actually practiced yesterday for the first time with everybody. So I still would say it's probably too early that he would get put into a game. But – that won't stop people from I'll, – I'll be looking at it, you know what I mean? Like, I'll have my eye down there and see what's going on. But uh, I would still predict that he does not play tonight. 
Yeah, uh, that would be my prediction too. But if they get into a situation and they need him, Cal did say the other day that he's not going to put him in there to win a game. So we'll see. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Well, let's dive into the smell bag. Uh, we're not going to answer any. We're not going to answer a lot of recruiting questions moving forward about twenty three. Derek, we'll we'll do an episode and and touch on recruiting separately because there's just so much right now to talk about with this team, this game, and, and this week that we're going to kind of just stay on top of that and kind of condense this. And if we miss one, we apologize. Uh, we'll start with Kyle's. Grady is a weapon we are underutilizing. He leads the SEC in three point percentage. We may never have a guy like this for a few years. Feels like we're potentially leaving a lot on the table. Um, what do you think, Derek? Uh, I don't know if they're underutilizing him. I mean, he took what nine threes at Texas A&M. Didn't hit very many of them. Took seven against uh, Auburn. I mean, I, I've I've thought there have been times this year for sure. Where I thought he should take more shots early in the year. I think that was a legitimate thing to say because he was. was not shooting enough. Um, I think in SEC play, he's done a better job of that. But I mean, I I would not argue with Kyle. I mean, I would get very as many shots as possible for sure. Yeah. Uh, then well, up into the Notre Dame game, that's where I really thought that they were not getting enough shots, and and now you see the the shot numbers going up. But the, yeah, that's a guy that you want taking as many as possible. They run a lot of that floppy action for him, but maybe maybe some stuff late in clock, and I I'd guarantee you'll see him take more shots tonight than he has. Yeah, I think so too. Sean Cod, another question here. <clears throat> he says, "Why does our offense look so stagnant in half court sets?" Seems like we do a lot of standing around, or am I wrong? That goes back to that floppy stuff that I, that I talk about all the time where they get that baseline runner action with uh, either one circle, two circle, three circle, whatever they call. If it's one circle, it's the point guard that's coming off of it. If it's two, it's the two, and then three uh, would be Kellen Grady if he's running the three at the time. But that that set takes a lot of time to get through it you it looks like there's a lot of dudes standing around but really it's kind of just playing off what the defense gives you and it it does look like it's grinded out and taking time to get into it now they hurt them saturday without ty ty washington they they did have some trouble getting into sets and getting shots off uh because let's let's face it if savir gets to the rim he's, he's really good because he's quick but he gives up a lot in size too and if you press up on him it's hard to get a shot off uh, so I think a lot of it is their their what they run offensively. It looks like it's stagnant, but when this this team is best at getting out and running the floor, Derek, and getting out in transition, and kind of feeding off of those fast break buckets. But um, <clears throat> other than that, I think a lot of it is the stuff that they run. It looks like it's slowed down, but that is their offense, honestly, in the half court. Yeah. Um, let's see what else we got here. A lot of these questions. Uh look like post Auburn so we'll still answer a few of them this is from Jason he says how did how did we make Walker Kessler look like Wilt Chamberlain was it too much attention on Jabari Smith should wear Collins get more time against bigger teams well let's take this angle Sean if there is a rematch between these two teams and I think there will be in the SEC tournament what what will Kentucky have to do differently to win that game not give him dunks at the rim Stay at stay seven dunks. I mean, that's the easiest thing to say, right? Is like I said, they saw something on tape with with the way Oscar defends, and and they were attacking that matchup a ton. And Kessler pretty much had six or seven uncontested shots at the rim. I mean, that's fourteen free points. You take you take half of those away, Kentucky wins the game. Or is right there uh, with a chance to win it, even with the injuries. Um, 
boy, they, they did make him look like a, a first overall pick, honestly. I mean, it wasn't Jabari Smith. It was it was definitely Walker Kessler if you're just watching that game. But I don't know. I, I didn't go back and watch the tape. Uh, it was just one of those games where I said, I don't really know what you could take away from this, given the injury to Ty Ty. They were playing so well up until that point that I was like, I'm, I'm not going to go back and kind of digest this one and – and rewatch it because I, I felt like that this team is going to be just fine moving forward. And here they are playing without Ty Ty tonight. Uh, but if that matchup comes back and then you see that in the SEC tournament, you saw Oscar Sheboy's uh, quote after the game that he wants to play them again. I have a feeling that they'll get it fixed and that Kessler will not get those easy buckets that he got. That, that was just, that was really good scheme and stuff that Bruce Pearl put together. They, Give them credit. They attacked it, and Oscar was slow, uh, wasn't making good decisions defensively, whether that be there was another rotation that was being left out. I don't know, but Auburn, they had something cooking there, and Kentucky never did adjust. Kind of already answered it, but I'll read it anyway. Uh, Why can't we run Grady off more screens for catch and shoot? That was from Benny. Uh, Brandon's got a few questions here. Let's dive into these. Staying on that Auburn game. How do we feel after the Auburn game about the four-guard lineup? I know we give up some size, but it seems like in a game like this one against Auburn, more speed and athleticism would have, would benefit our offense. I fear that we will never see Shaden play for us. Um, Auburn seems to always – like Jabari Smith won, I mean, to be a number one type pick. I mean, Auburn's – I don't think they've ever had a guy. Has Auburn ever had a guy drafted that high? I don't, no. I don't think so. I don't know, though. Um, but just – Let's just stick with Bruce Pearl teams. I don't think they've had a four-man like that, have they, who is just as good as he's been. I feel like a lot of times with Bruce Pearl teams, you get the guard play is very good. I mean, you remember Jared Harper and uh, shoot, what was the other kid's name? It was very good with Harper. Um, his SEC player of the year, I didn't remember. I yeah. see him. I see, I see his face in my head. But uh, Bryce something, I think, or something like that. But uh, Brown? I think that's Bryce right. Give us a fact check there. Go check that out while I finish my thought. Um, Russ Brown. Yep. Russ Brown, yeah. So, I mean, he was a very good – that was a very good backcourt. Charles Barkley went fifth overall. Fifth overall. <laughs> yes. So, Jabari's probably going to be higher. Uh, I didn't think Chuck was a number one pick. So, yeah. um, and they're different players too, obviously. Much different eras and different skill sets. But um, that front court duo of – I just don't – I don't think you could play four guards against Auburn. Do you? Not – no, because you needed the length of Toppin or you needed the length yeah. of Keon on the floor to be disruptive. And and I do think that when you get into a game like that, we know that Cal talked a ton about Jabari leading up to that matchup. The U.K. staff talked a lot about it. And I think when you get to that point, it, it kind of can overwhelm you. And maybe Oscar got caught with eyes on him and and these other weapons that Auburn has, and then you you lose sight of Kessler, a really good player. Like, that's the thing, is it's not just one with Auburn. Auburn's got multiple dudes now. Like, that's a legit team that's good enough to get to a Final Four and win a national championship. I, I think you're seeing that with the way that they're playing now, uh, that I, I do think that maybe that played into it a little bit. And this the second time that they meet, and I, I do think that they will play again. I think Kentucky will make the adjustments, and it'll be a different ballgame. Plus, they'll be at full strength, hopefully. Stick with another question from Brandon. I don't I don't know if this is the best time to talk about it, but I do think it's a fair question, so we'll talk about it. 
If Shane declares for the draft, where do we turn to in the class of 2022? Do we go after another recruit or do we rely more on guards in the transfer portal? I feel we'll already be relying on the portal for our bigs for the most part. That, that was an angle I thought about, um, and I thought that would be the most detrimental. Obviously, this team, like, like we said yesterday on the pod, we feel like this team's very good anyway. This current group, when they're all healthy, we think that they you know have final four potential. I mean, they were – I've been all the way up to number three on Ken Palm without Shaden Sharp. So, this is a good group. But next year, I mean, you're looking at next year's roster, Sean, and, I mean, Shaden Sharp is going to be the main, you know, guy you would play through, I would think, right? I mean, at least on the surface, that's what it would seem like. Shaden would be your number one offensive guy. Um, so if he's not there, I don't know if it, they turn to a reclass, which would be risky, I think, in its own right. Um, I don't know. And another thing about this question, too, is I think you kind of have to – I'd like to see what some other guys do, too, in the portal or NBA draft, things like that. Like, what what does the rest of the backcourt look like? Does uh, Sevier Wheeler come back? I think Tata is obviously going to go to the NBA after this year, so he's not going to be factored in. But if you have a guy like Severe, could Case and Wallace fill in? Could if if Cal is hell bent on playing Bryce Hawkins at the three, is he capable of playing that next year? Is CJ Frederick healthy? Does he start? I don't know. Like I think there would be a lot of other things that would have to go into it. But I'm I would I would lean towards probably taking another portal guard. That would be my guess if Shaden were to leave. Yeah, it, it won't be a reclass. I don't see it being a reclass because, like you said, I think that's a big risk if you're taking, especially when you need whatever you need piece. A starter. Yeah, yeah, you need whatever piece you get to to be a guy that can kind of do it across all three levels. I mean, Shaden Sharp is a three-level score. Like, you, that, that's a hard thing to replace and find. And, then like, the perfect thing would be that Shaden's on that roster next year. And if he is, Kentucky, I think, is going to be really, really good again. But if he's not there, I don't think it's a reclass. I think it's got to be portal, and it's got to be an elite guy that's transferring from another program, a a guy that is a proven scorer. And and I'm not talking to Kellen Grady that's a a guy that's just going to light you up from three-point range. They'd have to go get a guy that can do it with the ball in his hands and create for for himself and for others and uh, just put a lot of pressure. That's a tall task to ask, though, because you're you're not going to go get a guy the equivalent of Shaden Sharp. But they would have to go get someone in the portal that has college experience that can score. If you were taking a reclass guy, too, I mean, I think for depth purposes, it might make sense. But I'm with you. Like, it can't – you have to make sure this guy is uh, going to be start, starter quality. Um, so, I think we got one more here from Brendan. Uh, two more, I think. But is it time to say that Keon Brooks has reached his peak with Kentucky basketball? There's times when he looks really good, but then there's a lot of times where I'm left scratching my head with some of his decisions. Do you believe he's gone after this season? Hmm. I think uh, I think that's fair yeah. to say yeah. that he's reaches. Like to me, his peak is a, is a role player, right? I mean, that's like what he is. Yeah, key, Keon is Keon, and and that's yeah. not a bad thing. But right, yeah, I think Keon is at his ceiling as a basketball player at Kentucky. I, I just don't know. How much I mean, he's, is he still going to have his games where he's really, really good? Yeah. Is he going to have those games where you're sitting there scratching your head, wanting more? Probably. But here's the thing at what point do we decide that what he is is that's his best? And then you're not kind of left wanting more because it's almost to the point that it's unfair to keep thinking, you know, that he's going to turn into this all SEC guy or this guy that's going to be uh, the next top 15 or lottery draft pick that's going to that's been at Kentucky for a couple of years I, I I just think that that's kind of unfair for him because his role is his role and, and we've seen what his role is this year right it's to defend rebound 
kind of be a veteran out there, knock down those mid-range jumpers, hit a three when when they need it if uh, if he's open. I just think that that's who he is, and I don't I don't know how much higher the ceiling can get for him. And and that's not and that's not a knock on him. That's just what it is, you know. I've always been pretty. Um, I don't know. I've, I've kind of changed how I feel about the transfer thing too, because I used to not like want to put kids on transfer watch or stuff like that. But I just think with the way the portal is now, like it's such a heavy topic of discussion. I think in terms of like if Keon's gone next year, no, I don't think it's going to be for professional basketball. And if he wants to go somewhere for a year, you know, because he's going to be a role player at Kentucky no matter what. He's not going to be the star of next year's team. If he wants to go to another school or maybe he'll be a little bit more of a focal point and, you know, he'll have, I guess, technically two more years with the COVID year if he wants it to kind of show himself in a different light somewhere else. Um, you've seen other players transfer from Kentucky and, and and do pretty well. You've also seen some not do so well. But uh, I, I wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if, if Keon's not here next year. I, I don't know what way I would lean one, one way or the other. Um, but I think if you were to come back to Kentucky, looking at this recruiting class, uh, I mean, I still think he'd have a role for sure on next year's team. But I don't know what he'll do. I, mean, I do think Jacob Toppin will be back as well. But I don't know that Toppin will, will be able to unseat him next season but the last one from brandon or he's at two he's an off subject one but uh this is the last basketball one do you truly believe that cal will run a positionless type of offense next season with four ball handlers on the floor at the same time it kills me every time i see a lineup on the floor of oscar Toppin, and keon no i don't i don't think so no no i i don't think so i don't think so either <clears throat> whose question was that brandon okay I think uh, – I mean, I think three ball handlers is fine. And really, I mean, Keon's not what you would consider to be a great ball handler, but he's not horrible either. I mean – Well, my thought process has always been this, and, and I've said it since the year started. Your four-man needs to be able to make some plays off the bounce. Your four-man needs to be able to move well. You can't have – like, the thing that we fuss the most about, it. it's not as much – it's not Keon and Oscar or Toppin and Oscar. It's Toppin and Ware or Collins and Ware or Collins and, and Oscar. Like you, you got to have a four-man like Keon who can stretch the floor a little with his jumper, especially for mid-range. Toppin can move well, run the floor in transition. But then those three perimeter players got to be able to shoot the basketball or at least two of them be knockdown shooters. Like Ty-Ty Washington can hit the three, Kellen Grady can shoot the three, and that feeds off and that helps feed off Sabir Wheeler and what he does. But as long as those perimeter players can – knock down a perimeter shot you can get away with the, the three guard look and then the the true four and the five it's the two bigs together with teams that with a perimeter that can't shoot the basketball that's the stuff that's frustrating to watch how many cal teams have had a four man that really handled the ball like julius randall obviously he, he handled the ball a lot he was the type of guy who could get a rebound i mean jared vanderbilt i think would have been yeah, kind of man. an ideal someone that who would have that team never got to reach its potential because of yeah. Vanderbilt. That was a Final Four team if Vanderbilt was healthy in that tournament, I think. And Terrence Jones, you throw him in there. Yeah. Uh, man, he was really good. I'm trying to so they've had it over the years, but um, PJ, from what I recall, really wasn't mm -hmm. that guy. Um, PJ, PJ was a guy that offensively, his ability to step out and shoot the three or post 
was really what made him effective. And then that mid-range game where they give the ball to him at the elbow, like he did, he did some good stuff. But as far as leading the break, grabbing a rebound and go, Jared Vanderbilt, Terrence Jones, Julius Randle, those, those dudes were just different. They were. Uh, last one he has, uh, the best Buffalo Wild Wings sauce. He says he has a love for that Parmesan garlic, which is good. I haven't been to Buffalo Wild Wings in, I want to say, over a year. Um, and I, anytime I ever used to go, I was pretty basic. I would just get the mild with ranch. But the Parmesan garlic is good. Is there a special – or is there a sauce from there that you like the most? I honestly just go with the mild. <laughs> yeah, that's how I usually am. Yeah, I, I don't go very much. Um, when I was younger, I'd go with the hot and the hot and the hot, and then I realized I paid dearly for it later. <laughs> so I never some things and stuff. Yeah. So I never, uh, I never go the the hot route anymore. I know you have what the they have that nine one one sauce that I've always wondered. Is that what it is? Uh, I, I don't know. I every do. every single wing place ever has a their hottest sauce for what you got yeah. to or something <laughs> like that to be able to eat it let's see what else we got here sean i'm scrolling through i know you usually have stuff in the dms but uh here's a question from jonathan i thought this was a good question we could talk about he says our record against top 25 teams is not good for the past few years do you think we are flawed as a program and will continue to struggle or do we uh, go on a run here soon um i don't i don't i don't think it's not like they're flawed as a program i mean Tennessee was ranked, right? Like, yeah, Tennessee was ranked win. I'm looking here to see what they have the rest of the year. Alabama's not a ranked game anymore. Uh, LSU 19, Tennessee 18, and then uh, this one coming up at Kansas on Saturday, number five. I'm going to say Kentucky wins. I don't. I'm going to go. I don't. I don't think it's a flawed program. I think that they're going to go on a run pretty soon and win some of those games. I mean, they're going to have an opportunity in the SEC tournament too. When you're when you're playing in this conference this year, uh, you got a chance to get some some really good wins in the conference tournament to help boost your resume going into March. So I'm I'm going to go with that they're they're going to go on a run pretty soon. I think too. It's really just within the. I don't. If, I don't have the record in front of me, but like if you're going to take last year and, and then the couple opportunities this year, then yeah. But like just in 2020 alone, from what I remember, ranked teams that they beat, Michigan State was ranked at the beginning of the year. Louisville, right? Whenever they played Louisville at home, beat them in overtime, they were ranked. Pretty sure Texas Tech was ranked yeah. when they played them on the road. Um, I don't know if LSU, I don't think LSU or Florida was that season. So they had a few. Um, Auburn was probably ranked one of the games that they lost to them. Last year was a really bad year. I don't know if they beat a ranked team last year, did they? Um, probably not. Probably not anyone who was ranked in the top 25. Tennessee ranked when they won that one? Oh, yeah, Tennessee might have been. Yeah, that might have been the one that they uh, – I don't think LSU was, but maybe at home. And then this year, I mean, Tennessee was ranked – that's really – they've not had many opportunities. Though. Duke would have been one, and then LSU and Auburn, right? That's it. So that's Tennessee, right? I don't – North Carolina wasn't ranked, were they? I don't think. Uh, no, they weren't. And and I think if if Tata is healthy Saturday, I think they I think they're going to win at Kansas. Like I think that's going to be the win that they kind of lean on this year because they they still need that one away from Rupp Arena, and that's a huge opportunity for them on Saturday. But Tata has to be healthy, in my opinion. And and if that means not playing him the night against Mississippi State, obviously that's the report right now that you go do that and you hope that you can get this win at home at Rupp and then get him healthy and 
and get him back for Kansas because if you can go win that one on Saturday, that really builds momentum going into February because that would be the final game in January and in a February schedule to where uh, I do think Kentucky can have a lot of success in February. Another question from Jonathan. He asked, do we target a big man for uh, big man help next year, or do you think Oscar might come back? I think Oscar is as a prospect. I don't think he's going to be a high draft pick, obviously. Um, you saw what Walker Kessler's length kind of did to him. And it's not like every single guy he's going to see in the NBA is 7-1. But for the most part, you know, if he's a center at the next level at 6-9, it's kind of undersized, right, for an NBA center? It, it is. It is, and I he's, a, he's a role player in the NBA. He I mean, is. It, I could see Oscar being back on this team next year. I think Oscar's having a really good time right now. Like I, I get the sense that Oscar loves Kentucky. He, he's loving playing for Cal. Uh, it's going to be one of those things at the end of the year. What what kind of run does Kentucky go on in the NCAA tournament? You know, where where's Oscar in Player of the Year conversation and things like that? What what is his worth? at the end of this season is it as high as it will possibly be can it get any higher I don't know because right now I mean you're talking a dude that has just been dominant uh, on the glass he's he's had the 30 point games the 29 point games I don't know how much more he could really do Derek you know what I mean like is what other what other things can he show but if he's on Kentucky's roster next year and Shaden Sharp's on Kentucky's roster next year holy cow like this it could be a really really good season it's going to be one of those off-seasons and springs where uh, you're kind of just sitting there wondering, okay, what's this roster going to look like? Because if some dudes come back, it could be another really good year. They, they need some people to come back. And Yeah, I mean, if Oscar came back, he'd be – Well – He'd end up as one of the fan favorites for sure in the Cal era, no question about it. I mean, he probably could. already is. And, and you kind of want to wait and see how this year ends, right? Does this team go on a Final Four run and win a national championship? Because if it does, then it, it's one of those – it's going to be one of those teams where you lose a lot of guys. But, I mean, mm-hmm. if they don't, depending on how it ends, maybe it kind of forces some dudes to want to come back and try it again. I think Oscar's the type of guy that I could see Oscar at Kentucky next year. I think his professional future as a guy who will solely – I mean, he will need to rebound. Like, that will be his calling card in the yeah. NBA. He's going to do it and, very well, too. And he will. And, uh, don't, you know, dunking the ball when he's near it. And just – he'll have to get better defensively um, at that level. But – as someone who will be able to come off of a bench in the NBA, I think he will provide value. And because of that, I think he'll have a, a pretty – you could have a pretty lengthy career doing that, Sean, just uh, doing your role well. And I don't think Oscar's the kind of guy who's going to try to do more than, uh, you know, than what he's capable of. And he's not attempted any threes at UK. I don't know that he's ever going to be a guy who's shooting threes in the NBA. Probably not. But just in terms of a mid-range jumper – which I understand. I don't watch a ton of NBA, but I know you don't see a ton of, of shots like that. But he's got a decent amount of touch. He really does. He's not a horrible free throw shooter. I mean, I think he's definitely an NBA player, just not the kind of guy who is going to be in the lottery or anything. You know, he's probably going to be a second-round pick and someone who will uh, have to work hard to make a roster, but I do expect that he he will do that. Um, I don't really see anything else, Sean. Uh Brandon's not happy with the officiating. He said, when is the SEC going to electronic officials? Never. <laughs> so, <laughs> not in basketball anyway. Maybe maybe baseball one well, day. And, and, you know, Brandon uh, Brandon brought up the uh, the free throw attempts and stuff. I mean, had, the last few times that they have gone to Auburn, it, it does seem like that Auburn has shot a lot more free throws than Kentucky has. Now, Kentucky did foul, what, a three-point shooter three times? 
Yeah. On Saturday, that's going to kind of inflate those numbers in one direction. But when you when you have a team like Auburn in the past that shoots a ton of threes, it is kind of surprising to see them go to the line so much. But hey, that, that's SEC basketball. That you go to the Auburn, you go to that arena. Duke gets calls at Cameron Indoor. Auburn gets calls at Auburn Arena. That's just part of it. Yeah, and I'd say visiting teams you come interrupt say the same thing, right? I guarantee it. Yeah. So that's how it is in college ball. Uh, I think we've talked enough about Shaden Sharp. There's a question about if we see him this season. You got any of your DMs? I don't think I. Yeah, I do have. I do have a few here. Um, right here, Shane. Which player who got injured do you think gave Kentucky a better chance to win on Saturday? That's a really good question, actually. Like, I think we've seen Kentucky without Sabir. And we've seen them play very well without Sabir for two games. I would say Tata would right now at this moment, would I feel better with them winning a game on the fly? If you had to pick Sabir or Tata on the floor, I'd have to go with Tata because we've seen them do that. Now tonight, you'll get the opportunity to see it with Savir and without Tai-Tai. So do they play as well without him? Can they? Do they show us that they can win a game with preparation, time to prepare uh, without Tai-Tai? But for now, knowing what we know, we've seen it without Savir for full games of preparation. I would say Tai-Tai. And, yeah, and the other, uh, and the other thing that Tai-Tai does is he can go get his own, right? Right. From multiple levels where Savir is kind of – he has to get to a bucket or get to the rim and do some things. Now – don't want to take away how well he's been shooting the ball from three point range. I mean, he has has hit what three or three or four in a row now. Four in a row, I think. Yeah. No, that's definitely Ty Ty though for that question. That's a good question though. I, I mean, mm-hmm. not a question you really want to have to talk about. I'll but... say that's unfortunate that it's happened twice that uh, that, that and, there's and, even a scenario where you can talk about how well they've yeah, played without and, a player. Yeah, and it's, and not, it's not and it's not saying that one's better than the other. It's just kind of what this team needs and. I mean, for I mean, we got to see it against Georgia and against Vanderbilt, how good Ty Ty Washington was able to run the team and run the show. They've been in that situation. They hadn't really been in that situation with just Savir and no Ty Ty. So you you want to see uh you'll you and Cal having time to prepare, they've worked on this ever since Saturday. I think you're gonna see a lineup tonight. It's gonna be hard to win without Ty Ty, but I think that you'll see guys playing well because they've had time to get acclimated to having to do that it's different on the fly when someone goes down the middle of a game your game plan changes that's a lot but when you have time to prepare and you know going in it does have a benefit to to knowing what you're up against i throw out a hypothetical here let's throw it at me just for fun uh let's say sharp does play tonight this is just for fun if he does play does some decent things doesn't set the world on fire but he, he shows enough that makes you think you know he'll he'll be a a part of this rotation potentially moving forward yet Kentucky loses what what would the general mood of the fan base be if you actually see sharp in a game but they lose to Mississippi State at home without Ty Ty which I, I think is a I don't I wouldn't if I were betting I would not bet on Mississippi State to win but I also don't I'm not going to be stunned if Kentucky loses tonight given Ty Ty is not available Mississippi State is really not a that bad of a team they're top 50 team in Ken Palm should potentially be a tournament team just how do you think that would play just the narrative things like that so if he does play if he does play and he plays okay but they lose I think it would give people I think it would kind of ease the feeling of the loss a little bit 
because yeah. when when you get Ty Ty back, you're going everybody's gonna be thinking, all right, man, now Shaden's in the mix. So I don't know. It'd be interesting. Like, It'd be it interesting. would be it would be very interesting. And I don't do we see him? I don't know. Like he's now that he's starting to practice, which leads me to this next question. And I don't think Tata's going to miss two weeks, but Jay says, if Tata is out for two weeks, do we see Sharp before he returns? If so, when? Uh, like I said, I don't think Tata's going to be out two weeks with that ankle injury. If he doesn't play at Kansas on Saturday, then I'm going to be like, okay, because that's a massive game. And it feels like a game where if you're at a certain percentage and able to play through pain, then you're going to go. But if he misses Saturday, then you kind of start to think, okay, all right, maybe is it next Tuesday or is there another game? I think if he doesn't play – if Tata's out two weeks, I think they look at Shaden at some point. If he's out two weeks, if you know that going in the night, you know he's not going to be available for two weeks. Next Wednesday they play Vanderbilt at home. It's a perfect That's, game. It feels like the game there. So, And that might be the game, honestly, regardless of health and status. Yeah, yeah, that's the one that we circle and say we either see Shaden Sharp or we don't see him at all this year. Well, you wouldn't think you're going to throw him in at Kansas if he doesn't play. If that's his, first, I just don't think his first game is going to be in an environment like that. So. Well, if if Auburn was unfair, Kansas is unfair too. Yeah, yeah in my opinion, that that's a huge moment. I get it. You're a spotlight kid who's been in the spotlight ever since you were old enough to be a prospect. It's just it's just not fair. Like you you want to have that game, and honestly, it probably needs to be at Rupp Arena to kind of get you some confidence, let the crowd cheer for you a little bit. Uh, man, I, I feel like Kentucky basketball is so good at kind of creating its own storylines. That's what makes the program so easy to cover. But it feels like this year it's been like crazy. Like the storylines that come out of every single game, every single radio show, there's, there's always something that comes from it. Well, if he did play, <clears throat> excuse me, if he did play against Vanderbilt and he broke in the rotation then or, or got a few minutes, we'll see how he looks. At Alabama, that's going to be a tough atmosphere. But really, that's like your last – I mean, Tennessee and, and Arkansas, your, the, those and then at Florida to close the season. Those are your road games after that. Um, that will be tough because they play at South Carolina too, which has actually been a somewhat hard place for them to win at for whatever reason, so, sometimes, not, not every year. But – um it, that Vanderbilt game kind of feels like the one oh. because if not, and like you said, if you're going to wait and you're want to play him against at, at home or whatever, then you're waiting all the way to February 12th. And at that point, you've only got like seven games left in the season. Yeah. So I do think uh, Ty Ty's health will probably, I mean, if you're going to have someone who's missing weeks at a time, then yes, I think the, the odds that he would play are, are definitely higher, obviously, just because, he will be needed more for the team. If you got, you know, four guards or whatever who have all played pretty well, then what we discussed, I don't know, a few weeks ago where it was like, well, where's where are the minutes going to come from with the way that these guys are playing? And now if you take someone out of that equation, then, you know, you might need them for a game to survive. If you get in foul trouble, I mean, what if Kellen Grady gets two fouls a night in the first half and Xavier Wheeler does too, you know? <laughs> you got to well, – what are you doing at that point? So yeah. you're just playing them, playing them, I guess, you know? I mean, he might do that. He might just have to play them and – well, Austin, Austin has a really a couple really good questions here in the DM. He says, one, what's the offensive game plan if Tata and Wheeler aren't in? Feels like we will see it again, whether fouls or injuries. He's not wrong, right? I mean, we've gotten to this point now twice to where they've been without both of those on the floor. And, and going into the season, Derek, I didn't think we'd ever get to a point to where both of those guys were off the floor. And I mean, now when we Vince announced the summer that he was coming back, you were just wondering where all the minutes were going to come from in the backcourt and now they're at a point where yeah. it's like 
That's crazy. And that was also when we were factoring in C.J. Frederick right. being in there and then Dante kind of having those moments last year where you thought it's his turn. C.J. Frederick would, would have been the, the easy solution to this problem. Like then, Mintz at the one, if you had to put him there in a Grady with Frederick, you're, you still got some offense there. But not having C.J. and then not having those two, man, it really puts you – in a bond and he says feels like we will see it again whether fouls or injury and we didn't know what to do versus Auburn now Auburn is in that that environment that's a tough thing to have to figure out on the fly uh, maybe the obvious answer is Shaden if he decides he wants to play this year but if not is it Kellen running plays and let him shoot threes all day or let Oscar get rebounds for putbacks if he misses I feel like the thing at Auburn would have been to post Oscar but he also struggles with what Guys that have a lot of length. Hard length, yeah. So that that is now. If there's games, if you, if you see it in another situation, I, I feel like the best thing to do would just be to play through Oscar, post Oscar, uh, run some action for Kellen, and do some things like that. But and then the second part of his question is: Does all that more so just prove we don't have true depth? Meaning, it seems we have a drop off of talent outside of the seven guys who are in rotation, and, and there is a drop off. Yeah. Yeah. But what when team you, doesn't have that though? Yeah, but when you lose your your two dudes that are your guys at point guard, and you have to throw. I mean, how many people? How many teams actually have to go to number three at point guard? Not very many. Yeah, and and they've had to do it multiple times. Now here would be my thing. So we've seen this twice now with injuries. We've seen Kentucky without Savir for now. It wasn't a huge stretch Saturday. Like I think it was like a four minute segment there where he did not play after that injury, and then Ty Ty was out. My thought process is this. Each time that we've seen that, they've struggled, and it's looked bad, and rightfully so. And is Cal going to start sacrificing some practice time to get those guys out of the fo- off the floor just in case it happens? I think that that's something that you need to prepare for. Like, let's, let's look at a lineup in practice that includes Mintz and Grady and whoever else you need on the floor just, just to see what it looks like. Because if, if you've been in that situation now twice, be ready for it the third time the best you can be. If that, does that make any sense? Yeah. Even does. if it's just like a 15-minute segment of practice to where you just look at it and just make that lineup play and even throw Tata and Savir on the other group and defend. Just you, To me, you want to know what – you want to be ready for it and not just game ready. You want to get it ready in practice and then look at it. That way you know when you go into game, okay, this isn't completely out of our element. We've done this before. We've worked on this. This is what we're going to do. Because if it happens one time, you can say, ah, it won't happen again. But now it's happened twice. If it happens in the NCAA tournament or in the SEC tournament, then it's it's going to kill you again if you're not ready for it. The more I've kind of sat here and thought about tonight's game, I, I kind of feel like this is going to be a Bryce Hopkins tonight. I feel like Cal's going to give him a little bit of a leash tonight. What, what do you think? He's going to have to, yeah. Yeah. And, and, I, and I want to know, if is it at the three or is it at the four? Oh, I think it'll be at the three <laughs> for sure. Man, I, I think I, I think he's gonna get his shot for sure over Dante. That's just been how it's been this year. I mean, well, he's, he's I would on. like to I would like to see it Savir, Davion, Kellen, and Bryce with Oscar. Like, just give Oscar give Bryce a five minute run with that group to see what he can do. Put him in a position where he's comfortable there. Uh, but I'm with you. I, I think he's gonna get the opportunity over Dante, and then everybody's gonna you're gonna have people say, "Well, Dante's the Mississippi State killer." Like, well, yeah, he he is, but. I mean, right now, I mean, you can't just – I don't know. But do you think Dante gets a shot, though? Uh, yeah, I, I think he'll get in, yeah. I don't know that it'll 
be an extended run. But if he hits that first three, then this might be a 20 point night for Dante. <laughs> I mean, this honestly, if he were to go off again, I guess it would just be the most hilarious thing to me. Just, I mean, if you're like a Mississippi State fan watching and you're like, this guy does not do anything against any other team on the schedule except for whenever we come to town and then he turns into MJ, then I, I totally – I mean, that just would be very funny to me if that happened. But I think this is going to be a close competitive game. And, I mean, those three guards, as long as they can play, I mean, they're going to be out there together, I think. But it was – this is not really a shot at Davion. It was just a thought that I had watching the Auburn game. I was texting a few people, and it's just like – I mean, he was struggling. I mean, Auburn's a good backcourt. He wasn't really producing a whole lot. And it's just like, man, that was your best guard last season. That's just like how – how did they end up in that spot, you know, yeah. last year where it went that way? Um, and it's, I mean, it shows you, I think, the upgrades for sure in this team that Davion can be that role guy. But tonight he's going to be more than that. You know, he's going to have to come out and bring it. And you kind of think, too, for the mentality standpoint for a kid like Davion, just going into tonight knowing he's going to be a starter, I think that's going to give him a boost of confidence, too. That, you know, he – because that Auburn game, did he sub in until like, – he was out there whenever Ty Ty got hurt. But I'm wondering – I feel like he was on the bench for a little while longer than most games. You know what I mean? Like, I, th- I think it might have been seven or eight minutes in before he even subbed in. So, knowing that he's going to be out there from the start, I think he's the kind of kid that uh, I think he'll come out ready to play tonight for sure. Yeah, I, I think so too. Uh, and-, and they're at Rep Arena. That's the good thing, right? If this game were at Mississippi State and you're without Ty Ty, then you feel even eh about it. But it's at Rep Arena a place they've had a lot of success against Mississippi State. I mean, this is a team that they've had success against in the regular season for, for a while now. So, uh, John Calipari going for win number 800, going for win number 100 all-time against Mississippi State. So, it's, uh, it's a big one at Rep Arena. Derek, that, that wraps up everything in the mailbag. I do have a couple in my DMs that kind of were after A&M that people sent in that I'm going to go back and answer individually just in the DM instead of on the show. Uh, so, be looking for me to get to those as the day goes on. Uh, but Derek, I guess I'll see you at Rupp Arena tonight. Yeah, safe travels on the way up here. Yeah, for sure. As always, the show is powered by Blue Wire Pods. It's also powered by the Butcher's Pub, three locations, Palmville, Williamsburg, and London, Kentucky. You can visit thebutcherspub.com or check them out on Facebook. He's Derek Terry. I'm Sean Smith. We'll catch you next time on Kentucky Daily. <laughs>